Howdy. Welcome to another episode of Highway to Hail. I'm your host, Jared Greenspan. Tonight on the pod, I bring on the men's basketball beat to discuss Michigan's Sweet 16 victory over Florida State and the Wolverines' upcoming matchup against 11th-seeded UCLA. Enjoy. All right, so I've got the men's basketball beat on the pod. We are back at the Pear Tree Inn. Unfortunately, they didn't keep the room that we had last week, so we're in a different room, but it's very cozy right near the elevator. Um, I've got Connor Brennan here. Connor, what is what makes this room better than the last room? I would say it was closer to the gym downstairs, but it's actually not. Um... So yeah, it's actually not better. Okay, in case you didn't know, Connor works out. I'm also joined by Teddy Gutkin. Teddy, please stand up for this room. Why is it better? Well, Jared, when you look at this room, I think the easiest reason that this room is better is there's more soap in the soap dispensers in the shower. You can tell the soap dispensers were a little bit empty when we were in 234. We go to 317, you can tell they restocked. Mm. They knew we were coming. They're looking for that lifetime lease that we might sign. And yes. This tournament run continues. They're trying to butter us up, and I love it. <laughs> Despite the room change, Michigan's result stays the same. The Wolverines have seemingly rekindled their winning ways after a bit of a swoon uh, to end the regular season and the Big Ten tournament. They trounced the Seminoles 76-58. to um, the number four seed Florida State team that a lot of people pegged as, again, a team that could give the Wolverines fits, especially without Isaiah Livers, who won't play for the rest of the tournament. Um, but are you sure about that? People keep asking. People keep asking, <laughs> but I'm willing to uh, bet a, a handsome amount that Isaiah Livers will not play. Anyhow, 76-58 is the final. Michigan... Never really had a moment, at least to me, where they looked like they were going to lose. Uh, Teddy, you were at the game uh, at Banker's Life Fieldhouse. Why don't you get us started here? What was so impressive tonight about Michigan? I mean, what's so impressive about Michigan tonight was their bigs. Brandon Johns, a lot of people thought he might be the weak link in Michigan's lineup heading into this tournament. He's averaging 10.3 points, 5.4 rebounds per game. I think he had 14, a game high, drew a couple charges, had some nice finishes inside, tied Hunter Dickinson for the team high with 14. Dickinson obviously did what he usually does. He was a beast down low, had a couple nice entry passes, a couple nice feeds to the perimeter. And our Lord and Savior, Austin Davis. Shout out Austin Davis. With, um... Six points off the bench. He has two buckets and that seven zero run that really a pushed six points. That really pushed Michigan that lead out of reach for Florida State. Um, I know Connor wrote the sidebar about it, but when you look at this game, there wasn't really a one shining moment that I think we're gonna see in that montage at the end of the tournament, but the stars of the game were the men in the middle. Yeah, I mean, Michigan had 50 points in the paint. That is just unheard of. I mean, Dickinson wasn't even, like, dominant. It's just kind of like he does what he does. Um, And Florida State's center, even though he's 7-1, didn't really have a chance at stopping him. There were a couple plays where he went in for a dunk or a layup. You kind of saw Hunter get out of the way and not really try and contest it. I think that was... 
a lot of people might look at that and say, like, oh, like Connor gave up on the play. He's got to contest that. I thought that was a really smart play for him, especially with five fouls in the game against Texas Southern and then four against LSU. Two points you can live with. I don't think you can live with a three-point play or even splitting at the line or not hitting free throws and having Hunter Dickinson with two or three fouls in that first half. So I thought, really small detail, but I thought it was a key moment in the game that when they started feeding... I'm not even going to try and say his name. Kopravica. Kopravica. Um, when they started feeding Kopravica, Hunter kind of let him get his buckets, and in some ways that allowed him to stay in the game and continue to affect shots down low in a way that, with all due respect to Austin Davis, I don't think they have that inside presence if he plays 12 minutes in the first half. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think what I was getting at earlier with, like, Hunter is we sort of know what he's going to give you if he doesn't get into foul trouble. But what really stands out is Brandon Johns because, I mean, Michigan players, coaches, they say the same thing. Like, oh, we had 100% confidence in Brandon Johns. And maybe they did. Like, maybe the culture is that strong that they really do have that much confidence in everyone. But anyone from the outside looking in, like when Livers goes down and for this team just to not miss a beat because Brandon Johns is giving you 14 points, 5 of 10 from the field, 6 boards, I mean, the guy was all over the place. He was everywhere. Like, they maybe they were giving him the ball a little too much. Like, his usage rate was probably a little too high, but he was producing. And, like, against a really athletic Florida State team that, like, matches up well with Johns, it's not like he's going against, like, a seven-foot center as a small ball five and giving them problems. Like, he's doing it at his normal position against guys who should match up well with him. And I don't know. I mean, I just didn't see this coming. And it's kind of crazy and just going back to what you were saying when they were saying we have enormous confidence in him it's like we kind of heard that and we we're like yeah Jawan's not going to come out and say isaiah's gone right you're we not have to throw brandon in like right you're I, not going to say one that of those things where i think a lot of people saw those quotes and they're like he's just saying that because what else is he going to say i mean but i think saw that brandon johns i feel like every year he has one or two games where people are like all right that was Michigan Mr. Basketball in mm-hmm. 2017. This is the first time... 2018, sorry. This is the first time where you're seeing Michigan Mr. Basketball A sustained stretch, right? For more than one game. Right, because it was always, like, in fits and bursts. Like, it was one game, and then he'd get an opportunity, and it was multiple games, and he was bad. And now it's, like... I mean, this is what? This is four games now of, like, good Brandon Johns. Of, yeah. like, what Michigan expected when Beeline recruited him. And he's getting real usage, too. It's not like he's just there and he's having, like, a hustle play here or there. He led them in scoring tonight. They were drawing up plays specifically for him. He was drawing charges. He was getting steals. He's throwing down dunks in transition. Right, like, he's he, he, a real asset to them, which I, I think a lot of people just said, as long as he doesn't suck, he's doing his job. I mean, <laughs> he would disappear. Better. He would disappear on the court. And Brandon Johns is on the court. Like, you are noticing Brandon Johns. For better, for worse now, it's usually for better. Like, he's not just standing off in the corner. He's active. He's right in the middle of the action. Um, So that was impressive to me. Um, The other thing is, I mean, I guess Franz Wagner played really well, um, which they needed because you sort of knew you weren't going to get that three-point shooting from Brooks and Brown again, uh, which Shondi played well. Brooks didn't really have anything going. But Wagner stepped up when they needed him to. And Wagner, you look at the stat line, 13, 10, and 5, 
and a block. It's maybe the quietest double-double you'll ever see. He was just so effective and set his teammates up on so many occasions that he almost forgot how... He was almost so dominant that he didn't even realize how much of an effect he was having on the game. Yeah, I I think... Oh, you're here? I'm going to conversation. Yeah, well, <laughs> you guys seem to be having a conversation between yourselves, so I didn't want to uh, interrupt. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, I think we've talked about it, like, numerous times at this point. But, once again, it was, like, another collection of guys tonight showing up for Michigan than it was in the previous game. And each game, I think, like, you know, whether... I don't think Michigan has guys, besides Dickinson, to be honest, that show up repeatedly game after game where you know exactly what you're going to get. Um, They're a bit inconsistent in that regard, but to the same, like to the same token, they're inconsistent in almost a good way where, you know, Franz Wagner will show up or Brandon Johns. Granted, he has had a sustained um, run at this point, but no John slander. Yes. Okay. Um, But, for example, Eli Brooks was not great tonight. But last game, he saved them in the first half. He kept them in it um, when LSU was, you know, getting out to a good start. So, it's just, once again, like, depth-wise and, you know, in terms of numbers, it might not be that deep. But in terms of quality guys being able to take over a game and kind of propel Michigan into the lead and then close late. I think um, there are a few teams in the country that have that type of depth. Yeah, I think, I don't know. I mean, is there anything else really from this game? I feel like this is a game where there's not really a lot of hidden storylines. The box score will sort of tell you what happened. Michigan dominated in the paint. Florida State turned the ball over a lot, didn't shoot well from three. I mean, I think the Michigan was just better. I do want to say, though, that um, I think this game, if you had any doubts about Jawan Howard as a head coach, yes. I think this game, once again, kind of put those doubts to bed. Kapoof. Yeah, if you, I mean, at this point, I think it, it should be acknowledged how good of an X's and O's coach he is. But Franz Wagner mentioned it in the post-game press conference about how the team prepared, like, throughout the week to deal with Florida State's size, um, you know, break their press, and then kind of attack their aggressive closeouts, get into the lane, dish it to the big guys like Johns and Davis um, and obviously Dickinson. So I, I think, like, from that, from quotes from Franz... Um, after the game, I think it just showed how prepared the team felt going up against Florida State. Just one quick thing before we switch to talk about UCLA. How great of a moment was it when Jace Howard's able to get into the game and score a bucket in the last minute and have Jawan doing a little fist bump on the sideline as he converts a three-point play? I know it didn't affect the Did actual... you choke up, Teddy? Did you choke I did up? Not... I mean, we can't show emotion in the press box, so no, I didn't, but... <laughs> I thought there was just a really cool moment to have Jawan take his team to the Elite Eight and then have his son have his own moment, too. Someone should have asked about that. Someone, the, uh, someone did. 
Oh, must have missed it. <laughs> I think it's. I don't know. I think it's. It's, it's simultaneously feels weird, and is also at the same time very cool that like Jawan Howard is is leading his alma mater back. I don't know. Please expand upon that. It's a cool like, what moment. makes it weird? I don't know. I mean, he gets a little uncomfortable sometimes when people ask him about like, oh, like you were here, like in the Elite Eight, you were here. This. I mean, right. that's it. That's. Jawan Howard, the player. This is Jawan Howard, the coach. This is a yeah. whole chapter for him. I kind of agree with Teddy. Like, I, to me, if I was, if I was an N, you know, NBA All Star, NBA champ. Well, that's very realistic for you. You know, was a college superstar, part of the Fab Five, and now I was coaching. I'm not sure I would want to continually, you know, hark back to my time. No, I agree. Player. I agree. Um, because honestly, it, it detracts from my ability to coach. Like it, it takes away from my reputation as a coach. And I think if that's what I'm doing now, that's what I want to be acknowledged as. I agree. I think he handles that the right way. Um, the highlights are actually on now in the background, but I'm on Austin Davis stuff. Yes. It, which made me think of like the disparity in body language between the two teams, even at the beginning when it was close. Like I mean, this this team plays with so much emotion and positivity. Like every play, they're going, they're celebrating. I just think they sort of have like the mojo back that they had in February. I think they lost it for a little bit after Illinois like shellacked them. I think they have it back. But I'm not totally, I think the same way that. Connor said this kind of puts people on notice. He doubted Jawan as a coach. This also puts people back on notice. He said, no livers, Michigan's going right, out. Right, right. Seth Davis, during this election show, you guys remember, Michigan comes up in Florida State's in that region, doesn't even hesitate. He said, Michigan's the one seed, they're going to lose to Florida State in the Sweet 16. Right, so, no I mean, gave him a, chance. a lot of it was LSU, oh, like, they're really hot, they were underseated, like, you know, they could the beat them. And then it was FSU, like, they're athletic, they're lanky, like, they're really good, they could beat them. Well, now Michigan's going to play UCLA, the 11 seed, sort of Cinderella. Wait, they're not playing Abilene Christian? <laughs> no, no, Joe Pleasant is probably watching the games at home, but it's okay. So they're playing UCLA, uh, who knocked off Abilene Christian, and most recently, uh, Major most recently edged Alabama, after an onion shot to send the game to overtime, Absolutely the tide classic. wilted. Um, number two seed, probably Michigan's biggest competitor. And so now the Wolverines are sort of at a point where people are back on the Michigan bandwagon. And, I mean, I think people will probably expect them to beat UCLA. Uh, but early breakdown, what do we see in this Michigan-UCLA uh, matchup, which will tip off Tuesday at... 957. Dude, RIP to the editors, real quick. Um, <laughs> Teddy, anyway. you might be sleeping in your seat. You, you're, you're yawning a lot. I'll, I'll take a five-hour energy. Ah, uh, you might need, like, three. 15-hour energy. <laughs> um, but people are going to see the 11 seed UCLA and say, like, oh, it's an 11 seed, Michigan's a one. This is over. The same way people probably saw UCLA 11, Alabama 2, and said, all right, Michigan... Alabama's probably a lock. UCLA, even though they're an 11 seed, they're still 
a great team. They didn't get here just by luck. They've proven that they prove that they belong in the tournament period by getting in the field. You talk about it all the time. There aren't bad teams left at this point. Mm-hmm. And UCLA, they've got Johnny Juzang and Jaime Jacques, who are lighting the world on fire. What great right names, now. also. Dude, fantastic. All first ballot Hall of Fame college names. And Tiger and Campbell. Got, dude, and Tiger Campbell, um, who, like Mike Smith, adds an inch to his height with his hair alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got Jules Bernard, who's a really solid complimentary piece of the two. And then Cody Riley quietly becoming a huge defensive force for the Bruins down low. I think that's going to be a great matchup with him and Dickinson. Um, that being said, I do think having Franz Wagner on a guy like Juzang, it's going to be a really great matchup. And especially um, UCLA committed, they forced Bama to shoot 27 free throws. I think Michigan's definitely going to be able to continue to attack the way that they have in the first two games of this tournament and then the season as a whole. And unlike Bama, Michigan shoots 78% from the line. They usually convert on those opportunities. I think that's going to be a huge, at least on paper right now, we don't know how this is going to play out. Right. But on paper, I think it's a huge advantage that Michigan is playing a team that commits a lot of fouls and they're a team that loves to drive it inside and draw contact. Yeah, I mean, we'll see how individual matchups play out. I don't really buy much into them. A Juzang-Wagner matchup is certainly, like, tantalizing. Uh, but I don't know if it'll materialize. Mike College is one I'm pumped for. College, that'll, that will be an individual <laughs> that's matchup. That's going to be an all-time hair matchup. Yeah, the <laughs> others I don't know because, I mean, you fluctuate between zone. I don't. I just don't think it matters as much in the NBA. Um, it's more so to me like what can UCLA do inside to stop Dickinson because Riley's 6'9". He is a redshirt junior, so he's been around the block a few times. But, I mean, he's giving up three four inches um i don't know how many pounds he's giving up but the three four inches dickinson certainly can exploit that so they're gonna have to probably throw bodies at him uh whereas fsu didn't have to double team because they had uh copravica um so michigan didn't really get those open looks that they got against lsu because lsu had to double so i think we're probably going to see the return of the double which pays dividends for Michigan's shooters, assuming Dickinson can handle the double team like he's been doing for the most part, for the better part of the past two months. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I, I don't write UCL off because they're an 11 seed. They're clearly talented, and they came into the season uh, with high expectations. They just kind of faltered in the middle, but they are clearly uh, are hitting their stride. And I just want to throw one little stat out here. Uh, Michigan and UCLA have met in the tournament four times. This is going to be their fifth meeting. Only time Michigan's ever won was in uh, 1993 when uh, the Fab Five actually beat them to go to the fi- to go to the Sweet 16. I know we said... Very relevant. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, as soon as I said that, I realized... No, 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 no. I think, I again, I think, I think it ties a- into what we were saying earlier. You have Jawan. Maybe Jawan will get asked about, does he remember hey, beating I'm not, UCLA? I'm not going to ask him. I think maybe... <laughs> maybe, like, maybe Connor will ask him. Just, Connor, what do you have to say? I think that's Justin Rose territory. Um, so, yeah, I, I was just going to say, kind of back to your point, to kind of throw the seeds out the window, um, you know, Michigan, Michigan's last loss... Um, in the regular season was Michigan State, 
who UCLA kind of dominated towards the end of that game in the play-in game. So I I think like UCLA definitely has the talent um, to compete. They've obviously got their you know carrying momentum into this into the tournament and now into this game. Um, yeah, they were picked preseason to finish. Would you? Top three in the Pac-12, probably. I think they were picked to win, right? Right, and they had the they top had three. Let's call it top three. They had injury concerns of their own with Chris Smith, arguably their best player, missing. Um, so obviously they don't have him, but I think they've learned to kind of play without him. I think guys like Juzang and uh, Hawkes have kind of stepped into that role scoring wise at least so yeah they're they're about as dangerous a team as there is in this tournament so if you're overlooking ucla as a michigan fan um do so at your own peril right but, dude and one more thing people forget who who's coaching this ucla team mick cronin took cincinnati and turned them into one of the most consistent presences in the ncaa tournament for the past decade and a half. This is a guy who's been to March. He's won a lot of games, gone to a Sweet 16. Maybe, I'm not sure he's gone to an Elite 8, but he's been, he's made runs in March Madness before. He's done it with a lot. He's done it with a little. Um, this is probably one of the most talented teams he's had, and I think he's deserved respect for a while, and I think he's finally getting it. Yeah, a quick little rundown on UCLA. Um, offense is up to 11th in the country per Ken Palm. Defense sits at 56th. Uh, so better, more potent scoring the ball. Defense is respectable. Uh, but they, they, I mean, they get stops when they need to. Um, to I think it says a lot about the fortitude of a team to give up a three-pointer at the end of regulation when you had the game won like they did today. And then just to like on a dime just totally bounce back and blow Alabama out of the water in overtime that's a really difficult thing to do and I think that just shows that this UCLA team is clicking on all cylinders and they're for real I don't think what did the line open up as uh, it's a seven point line right now yeah so I mean Michigan is is going to be the favorite but I really don't think I mean I think this game is going to come right down to the wire I think UCLA is really good and I think they've proven that. I think you're going to see a lot of people tomorrow who are going to go on talk radio and say seven point spreads too big. Like UCLA is only here because like it's only that low because they're an 11 seed. Like if you watch the games, it should be a four or five point. Right, and like at this point, like seeds need to be wiped out the window because like after round seeds one, should be done right because these are the two the the two best teams in the region. And I'd argue after the first round, round 32 onwards, seeds really don't matter. Right. You're getting the 32 best teams in the country one way or another, whichever one you get matched up with. Mm-hmm. So we're nearing the end of this pod. Um, oh, shucks. Let's drop some predictions because it's nearing Connor's bedtime and we're way past Teddy's. Uh, <laughs> Michigan, UCLA, 9.57 on Tuesday. We're recording this on Sunday night, by the way. Um, we'll we'll start Monday with morning. we'll start with Connor. Sorry, Monday morning. Uh, who you got? Michigan, UCLA. Um, <laughs> so, Don't the, the nervous laughter really helps the <laughs> listeners? I have Michigan by six. Okay, short and sweet, Teddy. Okay. 
So I'm going to have a guaranteed prediction real quick. Oh, my God. My dad is going to fall asleep on the couch at some point. And my mom, too, while they're watching this game. I would second that. that that's a lock. But yeah, yeah, for my prediction, 100%. that's far from a lock because we can't predict anything for real March Madness. I think Michigan is going to beat UCLA 79-74. to 74. Five point difference. Five point difference. I also think Michigan is going to win, but for the sake of being interesting, I'll say UCLA is going to win. Um, that makes no sense. 73-68. You can't preface Dude, it you by can't saying... Say, I think they're going to win and then say I'm going to be bold. Well, I'm going to play devil's advocate. So UCLA wins... I think they're not going to win, believe it or not, in a, a like a, a shootout. I think Michigan wins in a shootout. And I also don't think it's going to be a shootout because I think Michigan's defense is rounding back into form. But I think UCLA was going to like scratch one out and Juzang will hit a clutch shot and I'll Michigan like, goes home. Yeah. Okay. Okay, Jared, non-committal Greens fan. That was a great wait, wait. non-prediction. I, just wanna, I, I just my wanna, prediction is UCLA will win. I want to make a, just a quick thing for our listeners. We did a Final Four prediction in our bracket episode. All of Jared's teams. And no, he takes for his no. Unfortunately, no. Oregon, no. Lost. Oregon lost. So that's we, down we the drain. No. Stop giving him credit, Teddy. <laughs> Stop. Teddy's getting delirious. Uh, if you made it this far, thanks for listening. Uh, Basketball Beat, thanks for joining me. It was a pleasure. That's all for today's episode on the pod. Thanks to Teddy and Connor, who are both now snoring, for joining me. Also, thanks to Jimmy Malone for editing this podcast. For more content, uh, make sure to check out michigandaily.com where you'll find all of our men's basketball coverage. In addition, the softball team uh, opens its slate of home games this Friday, so make sure to go there for for more content. And the baseball team is also uh, well underway in its season. Spring sports in full effect, so make sure to check out michigandaily.com. Until next time, adios. Adios.